everybody. Welcome to episode 187 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be recapping our results from week 14 in the NFL on DraftKings, reflect on some of the key decision points from the slate, and of course, close out the show by taking a look at some of the most interesting stats and storylines from the week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open and available. The link to join that is in the description to the podcast. Joey, I'm glad to have you uh, here with your power on, with your internet hooked up. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, uh, good good to have power. Uh, we're not living in the Stone Ages anymore, so that's good. Great great stream on Saturday night if you guys caught it. Yeah, I mean, they should be tuning in to every Saturday night stream because we'd be calling uh, some, some banger picks, so, some milli-winning yeah. picks like weeks in a row now at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely should be tuning into that if you're not already subscribed to the YouTube at the DFS Dose. But in terms of yesterday, wasn't a good day. Lost in uh, cash once again. It's been a rough DFS year for sure. Definitely just you know starting to scale it back a little bit as these main slates come to an end. Uh, maybe put more of a focus onto the short slates that we have coming up. Uh, this Saturday, we have a two-game slate, and then the playoff slates, uh, we're going to have like three-game slates for the first week of the playoffs and whatnot. So just going to scale back, focus on those, and I, I always play better on, on short slates for some reason rather than main slates, but it's been a rough year, and yesterday was very bad. Yeah, I could, I could feel the pain in your voice. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but but I will say I, I did get some profit, though, like wasn't horrible because uh, my prize picks bet hit yesterday um, in the first half of the first games. Didn't even have to sweat. There you go. So. Love to see it. Some of those that we called on the Saturday night show. So shout out uh, to that. For me, I mean, I, I had a good day yesterday, relatively. I mean, I absolutely swept in cash. The cash line in the massive $25 single entry double up was about 130. It was 129.8. I finished with 146. It, it wasn't really ever in question for me this week. 100% of double ups, 87% of my head to heads. And, um, you know, it was kind of a no Renfro, no cash kind of week and had Renfro. And that was all it took. I don't know. Not much to say about it. <laughs> yeah, the dude's been snapping. I didn't play Renfro, so as you can tell, I, I did not cash. So, <laughs> In terms of decision points on the week, I don't know. A lot of it felt really easy to me. I mean, I guess we can discuss some of the stuff because we did make some different decisions between the two of us. Both of us had Taysom. Both of us had Eckler, Gibson, Crowder. The, I guess the main difference that we made was that I prioritized Fournette as my second spend-up option, and you went with Chris Godwin. You know, I don't think that either was like a much bigger priority than the other. I I did feel like Josh Jacobs was a really strong play this week. I did want to play him, but when McKissick got ruled out, I made the swap to Gibson. 
felt really comfortable with running Fournette, Egler, and Gibson as the trio, and it paid off, and it just made everything fit in terms of being able to get a wide receiver core that I felt good about, had Mike Will, Renfro, and Crowder. Renfro really salvaged the group because neither of the other two guys did anything. The only thing that I, I was a little bit uncomfortable with in my lineup is that I had three chargers, but I felt like, you know, that was okay with the consolidated targets without Keenan Allen. Obviously, Austin Eckler got hurt in-game. Playing Jared Cook at tight end wasn't optimal, but I, I'm always fine, you know, playing any any tight end in that range. Like, I thought Austin Hooper was a better play. He ended up being a better play because he got the touchdown and a couple extra catches. Uh, Cook just had the one touchdown, had like eight points or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. All in all, it was a pretty it was a pretty easy week. Like, the Gibson thing really consolidated things once McKissick was ruled out. Yeah, there were, there were only like four to five players at running back and wide receiver that I thought were cash viable this week. So, made for some easy decisions. Obviously, if you played Renfro, you probably won. So that's kind of like the main result that, you know, could have won or lost you the week. I opted to go with Godwin just because we know his role is so strong uh, in this high total game. And I played Mike Will, Crowder. I went Josh Jacobs and Gibson and Austin Eckler, even though I'm kind of fake for that. I, I said on the live stream that Camaro was a better play and didn't play Camaro over Eckler. So that's tough, but yeah, I, I decided to to play two mid-range running backs and, and get Godwin in the lineup over Renfro and played Hooper as well and missed the cash line by two points. Just, just a, a tough week in, in terms of results, but I feel like the process was still fine and, and I'm fine with all of the decisions that I made prior to lock so can't be too mad yeah I don't I don't think it was bad I mean obviously Antonio Gibson completely shitting the bed was a, a tough scene and Josh Jacobs didn't really get there either and that was sort of game script you know Jacobs not getting there and Renfro completely smashing are kind of correlated if you look at you know just the way that that game played out you know the Raiders got completely thrashed by KC but all in all pretty simple week in cash I think tournaments didn't really get too much done i mean i had i had like one good tournament lineup it was a joe burrow stack with jamar chase bringing it back with debo but unfortunately man i played terry mclaurin in every lineup and he finished with zero catches for the first time in his career so <laughs> that that was just absolutely brutal uh shout out to scary terry completely torching all of my gpp dreams this week yeah i mean he just went up for a catch came down hard landed on his head ruled out like immediately just a tough scene nothing you could really do about injuries and we had, we had a couple more injuries yesterday uh that you know could impact some stuff for the fantasy playoffs and and best ball and whatnot but all in all just in in terms of DraftKings, another terrible gpp week for me as well you know we kind of talked about josh palmer on the live stream that worked out but terry didn't work out Dak didn't work out amari cooper i mean he got there a little bit but there there were there were better plays and uh the cheap running backs ended up working out too so mm -hmm. just all in all except for jeff wilson jr the most popular one yep. <laughs> except for him i mean we, we we told everybody not to play him yeah easy fade. yeah just i don't i don't know man i i gotta i gotta reevaluate and and uh see what see what i'm doing wrong and try and fix it and hopefully can get a bank before the season is over. Well, like you said, we got a lot of short slates coming up and we'll have a ton of content for each of those. I really, really enjoy the short slates. So I'm looking forward to this final stretch of the season, sweating out some best ball stuff. And we'll talk about our advancements uh, rates and stuff on Wednesday. There's one game left. We could have talked about it during our results today, but you know, things can definitely change. And I just want to be accurate with our 
stuff on that. So we'll talk about that on the Wednesday show uh, as this is the final day of the best ball playoffs. But for now, let's move on to some interesting stats and storylines. And I want to start off with Justin Herbert, who, you know, there was some concern, I guess, about how well he would do without Keenan Allen, and he didn't even miss a beat. You know, even in a game where he lost Austin Eckler to an in-game ankle injury, Herbert managed to throw three touchdowns, 275 yards, and he became the first quarterback in NFL history to throw 30-plus touchdowns in each of his first two seasons. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert is a top-five quarterback in the league so is yeah. that a hot take i mean that that's kind of where i was going with this is how highly how many quarterbacks right yeah how many quarterbacks would you rather have over justin herbert at this moment in time starting a franchise what overall pick is he two two i think he's two or three depending on how you feel about josh allen yeah i mean you know coming into the season you know there were guys you know you wouldn't have put him ahead of like lamar you wouldn't have put him uh, put him ahead of josh allen i mean you could even make the case with the way that mahomes has been struggling that herbert could be the 101 i mean probably not because it's mahomes but damn like herbert is solidified right now as a top five nfl quarterback like he is just doing crazy things on a week-to-week basis i mean he has everything you want in a quarterback <laughs> so it just kind of makes me mad you know kind of roasting this kid before the draft and now he's going to mm-hmm. be the best quarterback from that draft by a mile I, I i do think he is the 102 if you're drafting right now i i would still take mahomes above herbert i think mahomes is still clear cut the best quarterback in the nfl just kind of having a, a down year and even a down year for mahomes is still like a, a career season for like any other average quarterback so yeah. it's like we're, we're just so accustomed to mahomes being like truly elite that when he when he comes down to reality a little bit we're like oh he he's washed but nah he's still the best quarterback in the league and yeah i think i would take herbert over josh allen honestly i mean i think they're very similar i don't know there's just something about herbert that like he he's got it yeah you know he doesn't have that thing that allen has where allen can get like mentally rattled and start to break down a little bit and you know herbert's just like a stone cold like alpha you know he gets onto the field and he's got that it factor so (laughs) i don't know man justin herbert is absolutely the truth And, and sort of speaking about Josh Allen and you know the struggles that he's had tough loss for the Bills last night in overtime but the big topic of conversation is whether or not the Bills are going to make the playoffs at this point and I I wanted to get your completely unbiased take on the matter I mean I don't know they're still minus 300 to make it I think people are overreacting I mean they're not missing the fucking playoffs like I don't even know what (laughs) we're talking about here like on social media everyone's talking about it bro it's crazy yeah I don't really like discussing anything with like random people because half of these people don't know what the hell they're talking about the bills are obviously going to make the playoffs they're not going to win the division not anymore i think the patriots have the division locked up they have to win just two out of their last four games and they have the colts the bills the jags and the dolphins so i think they can easily pull two wins out of those four games to win the division but i think the bills will get a wild card spot are they a lock to like get back to the afc championship game absolutely not but they have the final wild card spot right now uh they're seven and six the browns Bengals and Broncos are all seven and six as well. I mean, the Bills are better than all three of those teams. The Browns are horrible. The Bengals are very inconsistent, and so is Joe Burrow. And the Denver Broncos are... Pretenders, if you will. Pretenders, yeah. They're they're not going to make the playoffs. And the Bills have one of the easiest remaining schedules, which also helps. They have the Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, and, and Jets 
coming up. So, I mean, they're, they're probably going to win like three of those games. And they'll probably yeah. beat the Patriots too. Like the, they'll split the, the division series. I, I don't know. People are overreacting. I know I know that we live in Western New York. So maybe, you know, a lot of it that us two specifically are hearing is like just fans panicking. But like, you know, the way that I was talking to people that I know last night and like, they're, they're like, oh, it's over. We're not making the playoffs. I'm like, oh, I got to go bet bills to make the playoffs. And I see it's minus 300. I'm like, oh, everybody's just tweaking yeah. right now. Like, come on. Yeah, I don't know what the hell people are talking about because they're making the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, if you really think they are, you can get like plus 225 for them to miss. So uh, go put your money where your mouth yeah. is if you really believe that. <laughs> Another quarterback situation that is, I mean, I don't know what's going on. Maybe you can enlighten me, but why was Cam Newton benched not only once, but twice in yesterday's game for PJ Walker? I don't know what's going on in Carolina. That makes three benchings for Cam Newton in the last two games. I don't know if that's an NFL record or or what. (laughs) I think that's just the plan is to play both of them. And Matt Rule came out today. This was reported like 15 minutes ago that the Panthers are going to continue to play Cam Newton and P.J. Walker, both some. I don't understand that. Like, I mean, P.J. Walker, I think, is a solid backup in the NFL. You know, he definitely deserves to be in the league, but he's not a starting quarterback. Honestly, I don't think Cam is either. Like, Cam is is not good. And obviously this takes Cam out of like redraft viability for the playoffs upcoming. It takes him out of DFS each and every single week as long as he's on the Panthers. So just a terrible situation and, you know, pretty much want to avoid like I would say most Panthers players besides like DJ Moore. Although your boy Robbie Anderson did have his best game of the season yesterday. Yeah, he did. Just in time for me to get eliminated from every season long league that I had him in. So shout out to Robbie (laughs) finally putting it together when it was a little bit too late. The thing I don't understand with this PJ Walker stuff is it's not like the Drew Brees Taysom Hill uh, situation from a few years ago where it's like you're bringing in Taysom because he has a clear skill set that he can, you know, elevate the offense or make the offense different. PJ Walker just comes in and throws picks and throws inaccurate balls like I don't understand what he's adding to the offense at all it's just I I think they think that Cam can't throw they're not wrong (laughs) and PJ Walker is probably a little bit better if they just want a pure passer or maybe they need like a a two-minute drive or whatnot so maybe that's kind of their thought process behind the situation but it's like PJ Walker isn't a great passer himself. Like he'll make erratic throws. He just lobbed a pass up yesterday for a jump ball, just just a, a five thousand ball. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not optimal. Yeah, um, no. So I mean, I, I think the Panthers high key made a mistake by not taking a quarterback in the draft. You know, they they experimented with Sam Darnold. It worked out for a couple weeks, and then he just fell on his face. Very predictable. I wonder who uh, said Sam Darnold has been bad all along on this podcast. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, PJ Walker, just ain't it, bro. They got to make a move in the offseason. And maybe they go out and get a quarterback in the draft. Maybe they go out and like try and trade for Watson or Rodgers or, you know, one of these other quarterbacks that, you know, could be on new teams. Jimmy Garoppolo comes to mind. Maybe Jameis Winston. Who knows? Yep. Uh, definitely going to have to be somebody who's not on the roster right now if they want any hope in 2022. couple of running back stories here, man. Let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott, who, you know, he became like a popular DFS play late in the week when Tony Pollard was ruled out. But what people forgot when plugging Ezekiel Elliott into their DraftKings lineup is that he's complete dust. I mean... 
Zeke is a little banged up right now. Like he's been practicing in full and he's been playing in the games, but it's obvious that something isn't right. And they had the game in hand for a majority of the game. You know, right up until the end, there was a little sweat. But in a game where you're up by 20 plus for like the entire game, you know, they wanted to give Zeke a little rest, give him a break, let Clement and the other backup running back that they had get a little bit of work. Yeah, I I don't think Zeke is viable at all in DraftKings. I mean, in, in redraft, obviously, you're still starting him just because he is going to get touches and, you know, does have goal line equity. But it's a tough start right now. And, and Zeke just looks to be completely washed up, to be honest. He, he looks like a $90 million change of pace back that's completely inefficient. <laughs> and he's not even a change of pace ball. back. Like, he's not changed at any pace. He's getting three yards of falling. <laughs> like, Zeke is not good anymore. No, and, I mean, like, imagine if it was reverse and Zeke was out and Tony Pollard was getting this workload. Like, he's dropping 30 in this spot in the positive game script. Like, even as a pass catcher, you know, Zeke used to be good. Like, he used to be at least, I mean, he wasn't, like, explosive necessarily, but he was a good pass catcher. He called one of his six targets yesterday. Like, what the hell is, like, what are we doing? Yeah, I just I don't mean, get it, man. Anytime he touches the ball, it's not going to be a great play. I don't know how the Cowboys haven't realized that. I think it is because of the point that you mentioned, $90 million. They kind of have to make that investment worth it rather than realizing that, okay, maybe he might not be that good anymore and and maybe we should reduce his touches and get Pollard more involved. And that would probably be better for the offense. But I know Jerry Jones isn't thinking like that. Like, I obviously, I don't know him personally, but I think he's a, a stone donkey. And he's just going to ride Zeke. And ultimately, I do think that he has just the, the number one say over like player management, which is uh, not optimal, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt about it. Is is Pollard a free agent or no? No, he's nah, got one, one more year one more on the year. deal. Okay, so that's unfortunate. I mean, yeah, the Cowboys really need to go, you know, the way the Rams went with Todd Gurley and just accept that you made a mistake and, and let him go. You know, let, let it let it end now, please. I just want one full-blown <laughs> Tony Pollard year before I die. You know a running back who does have some juice, Joey? You called it Rashad Penny. And as you said, this kid is fighting for his career and it ain't time to call the fight because Penny snapped yesterday, had 16 attempts for 137 yards, two touchdowns. And, you know, these weren't like little, you know, one or two yard scampers into the goal line. He scored from 32 out, 47 out. Like he looked explosive yesterday. Yeah, Rashad Penny looked good. I mean, they did play Houston, which is obviously a great matchup for any running back. But nonetheless, shout out to to me for calling it on the live stream uh that's kind of what i was referencing towards earlier when i mentioned you know we've been calling these these players every week that have been winning millie makers i think it was a, a very easy process pick i mean the rhetoric behind rashad penny this week it was you know he deserves more touches he deserves more playing time from Pete carroll and honestly like Pete carroll is, is a coach where like if he says something I, it, it's most likely he's gonna do it it's kind of what I've learned over the years from Pete Carroll. And yeah, you, you had to bake that narrative in. I'm telling you, this this five-game stretch is, is a career-defining stretch for Rashad Penny, especially if he could stay healthy. Like, if he could show that he could perform and compete at a high level uh, against some tougher opponents coming up especially, I think he can get a second contract with the, with the Seahawks, especially, you know, with Chris Carson kind of being injured every single year and... They really have nothing else at running back like Alex Collins, DJ Dallas. I'm, I'm sorry, but they are just stone scrubs. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an important stretch for Penny and 
he showcased he showcased what he could do uh, yesterday. I'm high key tilted that you know I was a Rashad Penny truther for years, and then I finally get out, and now he's starting to pop. And like you were a Rashad Penny hater for years, and now you're the guy uh, touting Rashad Penny. <laughs> like how does that happen? Please I mean, you just got to be sharp. Oh, uh, yeah. Even though I, I that's sa- definitely even though I sat I him up. in season long for for Gibson <laughs> and, and Sony Michelle, I mean. I don't think that was, you know, bad. That's fine. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess I could have started him over like Darnell Mooney who busted, but I mean, I'll do that like 10 out of 10, but yeah, Rashad Penny, what a guy. And and as, as we're touting him today, he's going to get hurt next week. I, I oh, hope he yeah, doesn't, of course. but probably will happen. No, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a good stretch out of Rashad Penny. Um, For anybody out there who was wondering if Javante Williams had earned a larger share of the backfield following his breakout performance against the Chiefs last week, the answer is a resounding no, because he was out-touched by Melvin Gordon 24-15 in Melvin Gordon's return, and I mean, this is just going to be the story, you know, it's never going to happen in this season, you know, Javante is not going to get the full workload, Melvin even coming back off of an injury was the 1A in this backfield doesn't matter that Javante was still snapping, still scored two touchdowns, breaks every tackle attempt that a defender tries to make on him, looks amazing. Nope, Melvin Gordon is still the alpha in this backfield, and I don't see that changing at all this season. Yeah, I mean, this is like a a clear-cut 50-50 split. I mean, Javante Williams has still been performing, especially in in this kind of key stretch run. Over the last three weeks, he scored 20-plus PPR points in each of the three weeks. So he's been, you know, like a high-end RB1 for you, especially if, like, you were on the bubble trying to make the playoffs. Like, I, I needed those performance personally mm-hmm. in, in one of the leagues that we're in. Um, and, and it's looking like that's going to help me get into the playoffs. But, it, yeah, like you said, it's just not going to happen this year. Melvin Gordon is too involved in this offense. They have shown no incline to not use him. He just won't go away. You know, he left the game with injury, came right back. Um, he's done that I think like three or four times this season alone he's just a pest that won't go away and he's going to vulture enough of the workload from Javante for them to both be like RB2s I would say and obviously this was just a nut matchup against the Lions so they both got there they both scored two touchdowns but in harder matchups where the game scripts might not be as favorable the the upside is very low for both of them uh, just because they're cannibalizing each other. Yeah, definitely. Did you see the Melvin Gordon press conference where he's like, man, I feel like people hate me, but I think it's just fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people don't like him because of fantasy. That is, he, he's spot Yeah, on. yeah. You know, it has nothing to do with him. He's probably a great guy. But yeah, I mean, we just want Javante, dude. That's all. It's not personal. Um, another rookie standout. We've talked about it a couple weeks in a row, but Jamar Chase finally broke out of his slump. Uh, was looking like he was having sort of a you know, a down part of the year for this last stretch, but he went five for 77 and two also had another touchdown or near touchdown, get called back. That could have been a three touchdown performance in yesterday's loss to San Francisco with his 10th touchdown on the season. He broke a Bengals record and I don't know how you feel about it, but I still think he's slightly live at plus 350 for offensive rookie of the year, just because sometimes those are statistical awards and he's going to have a more impressive stat line as a wide receiver than Mac Jones is going to have as a passer but it just depends on how much uh the narrative of you know Mac taking them to the playoffs you know um 
impacts the way that this award is given. Yeah, I I agree 100% uh, that he's definitely still alive. I do think it'll be hard for Chase to win. I mean, we we talked about this last week. I I think it'll be hard for Chase to win if the Patriots are like the one seed and and make the playoffs with Mac Jones. Although I, I would say that's more so because of the defense and the run game and the coaching. I think Mac will still win it. But Jamar Chase is fifth in the NFL in receiving yards. He's what third in the NFL in touch in receiving touchdowns mm-hmm. uh only behind Cup and Mike Evans and he has a chance to break Justin Jefferson's record from last year but the the crazy thing is is Jefferson didn't even win you know rookie of the of the year last year and he set the record true true but i mean Herbert's play last year was a lot more impressive than Mac Jones. You know, I I mean, not to take anything away from Mac, but it's, I mean, they're winning games where he's throwing the ball three times. Like, I don't know. I I think that Jamar Chase could very realistically deserve this, especially if he sets the record and, you know, finishes with 12 plus touchdowns on the season. I think it would be hard not to give it to him. I actually like the bet at plus Mm -hmm. 350, but, you know, I don't know. It could easily go to Mac, who's still, you know, minus 500 to win heavy favorite. I mean... No bias. I, I do think Jamar Chase deserves it 100%. Yeah. But if you think about it from, you know, just an NFL award perspective, from the narrative perspective, it's going to be hard to not give it to a quarterback. And it's going to be hard to not give it to a quarterback that is a rookie that could potentially be on a 1C team. Obviously, like, we don't know how much stock they put into that, so we could be totally off on it. But I think, like, MVPs and shit are kind of based around how your team does, for sure. Mm -hmm. And if we're going based off, like, that criteria, uh, if we bring it to rookie of the years, I I definitely think that team success does matter. But it's it's not like the Bengals have been bad, you know. They're seven and six, right outside uh, the last wild card spot. So if the Bengals make the playoffs, if the Patriots make the playoffs, I, I think it could be a toss up. I mean, Jamar Chase, it's definitely worth a bet, you know. If, if we could bet it mobily, which we'll have in like a month. Shout out to that. But we'd have to drive to the casino. I, w- I would definitely put like 50 bucks on it or, or something, especially if he uh, turns up to end the season. Like I said, four games left and he has the potential to break Justin Jefferson's rookie record from last year, which was 1400 yards. And he would need like 100 yard games and like the rest of these games to break it. So, yeah. All right. So Debo Samuel returned to the field in week 14, played a nice healthy 77% of snaps. But Joey, he only managed one catch in this game. And it's the third straight game where he's been held to one catch over this three-game stretch. He's been averaging 7.33 rush attempts per game. And my question to you is, what position does Debo Samuel play? Because this man is looking more and more like a running back. Like he was legitimately the fourth wide receiver yesterday for his own team. George Kittle had 13 catches on 15 targets. Brandon Ayuk had 11 targets. Even Juwan Jennings had more targets than Debo Samuel yesterday. I mean, I don't understand how this guy is getting one catch on a weekly basis and he's the wide receiver three in fantasy points per game. I think it's an argument that more players need to have dual eligibility in fantasy. I agree 100%. You know, obviously he could play traditional wide receiver, but he's just a playmaker and you want the ball in his hands no matter what. And the easiest way to get the ball in Debo Samuel's hands, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, is to just hand it off to him right? You know, take the risk out of Jimmy G dropping back an extra seven to eight times because we know if that happens, some bad things could potentially happen if those 7.33 attempts turned into seven targets. 
Just give Debo the ball. He averages like 75 yards a carry, and he's going to score a rushing touchdown. Like, good things happen when you get this man the ball. He breaks tackles. He's one of the best yards after contact guy in the NFL. I don't see an issue. As long as he's getting touches, what's the difference between seven highly efficient rush attempts and seven targets? Yeah, no, I don't think there's necessarily an issue, but I think that, you know, players like this are going to become more and more common in the NFL over the next couple of years. Like we see it with Cordero Patterson. We see it with him. And I, I really do think that dual eligibility needs to be more of a thing. I think it would add, uh, you know, another layer of strategy. I think it would, you know, put premiums on these players for best ball, mm-hmm. you know, if they could have eligibility at multiple positions. And I mean, I, I don't see why Debo shouldn't be running back eligible in fantasy football if he is being utilized more heavily as a rusher than a receiver. It's just, it seems like uh, something that could be changed and make, you know, for a, a added layer of strategy, which is always a good thing in fantasy. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that point. And maybe we are starting to see, you know, kind of the, the tie changing around how coaches use players in the NFL. I mean, honestly, most coaches are, are just bad and don't understand that, you know, you have to scheme things up for your best players, no matter how it comes, whether that be hand handoffs, reverses, whatever, they just won't do it. But maybe the NFL is taking notice of CPAT, of Debo, and they're and they're like, okay, may, maybe we gotta start, you know, adding these into our playbooks. Um, I don't know if that will happen, so that's why I think there's only gonna be like two of these guys that are that are gonna mm-hmm. have this hybrid role or like five max. But we'll we'll have to see. We will. We will. Last story for today is I just wanted to talk about Urban Meyer. I mean, he got into a lot of heat and it seems like he is. I mean, he's like a meme at this point, dude. Did you see the expression he had on his face when Mike Vrabel came to shake his hand after the game? He looked completely dead inside like he was not there. That man had the same expression I have when I'm like waiting for my girl to be done shopping at Target. Like that that was the look that he had on his face yesterday. I mean, (laughs) he just looked so unamused like he had no care in the world to even be there at all he's just, he's just like yo like fuck this guy uh but i don't know what the hell is going on in jacksonville i i think that he needs to be fired i think there are plenty of young coaches that would love to have the opportunity to coach in jacksonville with uh trevor lawrence and you know some of the playmakers that they have on offense and he's just a flat out clown it's that simple. Yeah. He he's just a bozo, a buffoon. You know, the quote that he had uh where he was reportedly trashing his own staff and calling them losers and, and stuff like that. You know who that reminded me of in, in terms of their leadership style was um you in <laughs> COD as our IGL. <laughs> You know, as the as the leader of our Warzone squad, that reminded me of your leadership style fully. How do you feel about that, uh Joey Meyer? <laughs> I mean, that that's disrespectful because the thing is, is Urban Meyer doesn't win games. He's not bringing any value, right? He's not changing the outcome of the games. It's kind of like running backs, like running backs really have no, you know, sway in wins and losses, right? Which is kind of the whole point of running backs don't matter. In Call of Duty, I am the best and I only want my players, my teammates to play at the same level that I'm playing at 
so we can win. Hmm. So that's that's the difference right there. I, I would say that the comparison is actually stunningly accurate because, you know, Urban was a, you know, he used to be a factor. He used to be a winner, just like how you used to be a winner on the old map of Warzone. And I mean, now he hasn't won anything in the NFL and you haven't won anything on the new map. So I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> hey, it remains to be seen. First of all, <laughs> first of all, I'm still the best COD player that you know, personally. Second... Even if I don't call you losers, you guys are still going to suck. <laughs> yeah, see? You're just like them. And, and, yeah, but I'm not denying it. That's the difference. He did not he denied the reports. That's okay, true. He and and you know you know flat out he was lying too. Like he definitely said all of that stuff. I mean, you know, it'd be different if I was running an NFL team. Like I'm not I'm not going to alienate my coaches and players like that but on call of duty like it's a video game obviously we fuck around you guys talk hella shit too don't even cap (laughs) everybody talks shit first of all i don't call you guys losers i just tell you guys that you you guys aren't good and need to need to step it up (laughs) like if you have a bad game i will tell you just as if i have a bad game i hope somebody will tell me to to step it up and and get it turned up right right it's just a motivational tactic. I, I hear you. Just get good, kid. You're trash. <laughs> All right. That is going to be it for episode 187 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. We will be back on Thursday with a first look at the week 15 NFL DFS slate for more NFL DFS content. You can check out our YouTube channel, the DFS dose where we post multiple videos per week and live stream on Saturdays. And if you would like to connect with us in a more personal way, you can join the discord channel. The link to join that is in the show notes to the podcast. If you're listening out there, just know that we appreciate you. We value you until next time. Let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.